All right, here we go with part two with uh, Kenneth Carter. This part here is more of a coming-of-age story. Yeah, this is, you know, Ken trying to figure out where he's at and what he's going to do. And see, this this talk we had, this interview we had, seemed to me like it was really, you know, you know, I, I felt like I was getting the whole picture, you know what I mean? It's like he was really leading up to, to what led him to where he's at right now. And he's in a good place. You know, he's got some good support. He's got, you know, he's got his mom. I don't know about, you know, all the Oz people and all that. But I do know that he's got, you know, you could feel the confidence in this guy. And I think that's wonderful. You know, I think that's wonderful. And I think that, you know, it's nice to see somebody just kicking ass, you know, and getting ahead. So let's get on with part two. And like I said, you know, he had some down times. There's, there's a couple of times in his story where he could have give up and, you know, did nothing, but he didn't do that. He fell on his ass and he bounced back up. And I really respect that. You know, you get out of the military, it's hard to get back in the civilian world to begin with. Then he had that accident. Ah, oh, that was difficult to deal with. That would have destroyed a lot of people, messed him up, but he got recovered, you know, and then some of the other stuff, you know, going to prison, that would mess a lot of people up. No, this guy owned it, conquered it and moved on and he's a better driver for it and probably a better broker because he was a better driver so i don't know like i said if i was moving freight and i need to talk to somebody in the florida market i don't want to talk to a young guy like this who's well he's not really young but to me he's young but you know somebody that's going to hustle for you and he's going to get you moving you know but like i said his numbers are in the show notes all right so let's get going on with part two <laughs> Across the nation, checking cities off his list, sharing stories of the road right here on his station. You are listening to the Kingfish. Yes, you've tuned in to the Kingfish Radio Network. Mm. Expand your mind on the open road with Kingfish right here. Well, a, a different situation happened to me. Um, I can't think, maybe eight, nine years back, if that far, I can't remember exactly. But I was driving down the street and I saw this guy on the bicycle, which is riding, and I passed him. He was on my right side on the sidewalk. Well, I stopped at a red light. When I go to turn at the light, I felt this bump in the road. When I look back, I hit this guy, the same guy that was on the bicycle that I passed earlier. And I mean, I just froze up and I don't know. I had no emotions. I got out of the vehicle, parked it, and I seen the guy in the, in the middle of the street and the guy was not moving at all. And I ended up killing that guy. Oh no. Yes. That was a crazy experience. That's what changed my driving. And it makes me more alert. Was that here or that was in the military? No, that was here. That was in Orlando. I stopped driving for about a year. But no, I'm sorry, about two years I stopped driving. I mean, cars or trucks. I just couldn't get in the vehicle. It just wasn't happening. And then the worst part was 
I had to face, well, I wouldn't say face because I didn't do anything illegal, uh, pass my drug test, but I had to speak with the wife or the ex-wife and the kids of the guy. And that was, that changed my whole perspective of life. It was, it was really rough. Even to this day, I'll, I may hit a speed bump or a bump in the road and I get that anxiety just from that feeling that I had back then. I could see that. See, that's another thing. People don't realize, you know, like like you, it, it hits you fairly young too because you're not that old, you know, and there's guys that they're driving down a the road, they're not paying attention to what they're doing or they're, you know, they take for granted what we do, but, you know, you got an 80,000 pound vehicle, you're, you're 65 feet long, you know, if you don't do your pre-trips, you don't check your tires, you don't check whatever, or, and, and then, you know, things could go wrong, but with you, you know, things could go wrong that you have no control of because you're not on it. You can't control the guy on a bike, you know, so what yeah. can you do? You know, and it was just a pure accident, but it's like, but even that pure accident, you still probably, you know, what could I have done? What, you know, what, you know, what could have, you know, if I would have left five minutes later from the truck stop, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Stuff like that. Oh, but yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't do any good. Cause like, you know, like one time I was, uh, I stopped at a rest area, went to go use the restroom. You know, I'm standing there to, you know, doing my thing. And it was a bunch of biker guys, you know, like, not like, like, uh, lawyers and dentists and shit, you know, on their Harleys, you know, and they're all, we're all doing, you know, standing against the wall there. And I go back out to the truck and leave. And they all leave as a group in front of me. And I, two minutes later, I come up on them and there's one of them got hit by a car. Oh my God. And I thought I was just, it was just in the men's room standing next to this guy peeing. I could see, you know, and it was like literally two minutes later and they, they were all happy and jolly. And you know, the, you know, the guys get out going for a ride and all that. It was like the, the world had changed. And when you do what we do for a living, it doesn't take much and you got to be alert all the time until oh, you, yeah. And it's it's tiring, you know. It like I said, ninety nine percent boredom, one percent oh shit. Yeah, same difference. Yeah, you're right though. You do have to be aware because you don't realize, like you said, with how much weight you have and the length. And even like the stopping times, people don't realize. Like we take a lot longer to stop than the car, and and I think that's kind of what happened with that situation where people assume that you you know you can stop faster or that you're going slower than you really are. And and that makes me now more aware. I'm way more patient. But at the same time, I, I was beating myself up so long over it, even though it wasn't technically my fault. Now I, I come up with this thought. I'm like, you know what? You got to own it and divorce it. You got to own what you do and then let it go. Because you can't have something like that eating you up for the rest of your life. And that changes everything in your life from one incident. Yeah, but you know what though? I think it's I think it's healthy though as a person that it did eat you up at first. I mean, it's probably still probably does, I'm sure, but it just goes to show the fact that you know you're 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 a human being who cares about others. If you didn't care about anybody, it'd be a lot easier to deal with. But oh, yeah. because you cared about people, you know, because you you think, oh my god, what could I have done different? I got and you and you took the time to talk to the man's wife you took the time to talk to his kids and explain everything and most people wouldn't have the balls to do that you know that would be that was i can't it's got to be unbelievably hard to do you know I, I can't even imagine having to do that i'd be so scared because you know they're they're literally their lives have just changed but it but yet it you were there but it, it wasn't your fault but you still were there you know what i mean right exactly you know and so, but, but everybody looks at you 
is, you know, is the guy because you're the one they can, you're the only one they can look at. Yeah, it's funny because uh, four state troopers were there. It's when the Orlando Arena was being, uh, was under construction, so it was being built. And these four state troopers went and testified against me. And I don't know how you testify against me when you don't even really know what's going on. You don't know how these, you know, you're not a truck driver. You don't know what I see and what I cannot see. So obviously this guy's on a bicycle. I'm in a semi-truck. You're in that blind spot. I can't see that. But they went to testify against me, said, oh, that was my fault. I was speeding. But just like in the plane, people don't realize those trucks have black boxes. It records your speed. It knows what gear you was in when the crash happened. I mean, it knows if your turn signal was on, if your headlights were on. So they did that whole investigation. They even took my cell phone and ran it to, make, to see if I was on the phone at that time, if I sent text messages within that time frame. No, none of that was true. So, of course, they couldn't press charges on me. But it's crazy how someone can try to change your life by an accident. Well, everybody wants to place blame. Now, see, you just brought up a really good point that a lot of drivers, especially new drivers, don't understand. And the fact is that if you get into an accident, no matter what it is, whether it's very clearly your fault or not, they are going to pull up your phone records and they're going to go through and make sure they're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to tear that phone apart, make sure you weren't doing it. Yeah. Yep. And even if you are completely innocent and there's nothing you could have done, which happens in a lot of cases, they are going to tear you up. Now, if you would have been on the phone, or you would have had those, you know, you would have been texting or something. Even if you were completely innocent, there's nothing wrong. You would have got nailed for it. Oh yeah, would have got a vehicle homicide. Oh, and and that then that's it. Your life would be over. You know, as yep. far as driving, and then you'd have to find something else, and you know, stuff like that. And that's that's, you know, I see these guys in okay Bluetooth head. Like I use a Blue Parrot. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Listen to Blue Parrot uh, headphone Bluetooth, and I think it's fantastic. But I see these guys with the phone, they're holding the phone up to their heads when they're going behind me. And they're usually the guy with the two or three GPSs in the window, which I really don't understand either. <laughs> it's like, what do you, I only need one, you know? I just need it because I go to the same places all the time. I just need it for where's the next bathroom, rest area, stuff like that. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I use it for. But the thing is, is like, why do you, you know, and it's like, you look over and it's like, it, they don't even know they're driving. You know, they got like one leg up on a dash and it's like, well, you know, what do you, it's like, well, what are you a woman? You driving like a woman with your leg up on the dash and then you're talking about the truckers. Yeah. I've seen it. It's crazy, man. I've seen it 25 years, man. I've seen crazy. I've seen, uh, I've driven in snowstorms. I've driven in hail storms. In fact, there's a hail storm uh, in one of the earlier episodes where you could hear the hail hitting the outside of the truck. And then all of a sudden it gets real quiet. That's from going underneath the overpass. Wow. And then and then it starts all up again. I've driven in a, a tornado. Uh, well, let me take it back. I was in a tornado and it came down over the top of the truck. Wow. In Nebraska. But I've never seen the outside of a tornado. So, and, you know, that was pretty, I, I, that's the scaredest I've ever been in a truck. I'm sure. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen. Well, what happened, what, it was a beautiful day and the co-driver, he said, uh, you know, we switched out. I didn't know this guy. He was filling in for my regular guy. So, you know, he knew my regular guy knows my sense of humor. And, uh, you know, it, was, it got really bad. And we came to a stop on a road. And, you know, you never come to a stop on the interstate, ever. But I couldn't see the end of the wiper blades. So I came to a stop. I went around a Swift truck because I figured if somebody runs into us, well, we're hit the Swift truck. And everybody, that's normal. 
And then, you know, and then I stopped. And then what happened was the, uh, you know, it started getting really bad and the truck was shaking back and forth. And I looked up at the sky and I'm like, oh, bring it on. I can take it, you know, and, and, uh, and then it got worse. And, and then I looked up and I said, oh, Lord, if you get me through this, I swear somebody in my family will go to church on Sunday. I swear <laughs> somebody, somebody. So I didn't want to lie because, you know, be, it's not a good time to be a hypocrite. You know what I mean? Then the co-driver came out of the bunk and he had to yell because it was so loud. I can't describe the sound. It was so loud. But we weren't moving. I had the brakes were released, but I had my uh my foot on the floor. You know, I didn't have the brakes set, you know, there, you okay. know. And uh I don't know why, it just didn't. And he goes, he yells, I think you ought to slow down. Well, we weren't moving. You know, but it looked like we were because all this irrigation piping, you know, that you know, that irrigation stuff they have on the side of the road in Nebraska and all that, it was all and barn stuff it was shit everywhere man wow. yeah, the only thing missing was a cow it hey, that's been, thing. <laughs> the only thing missing was a cow and then i yelled i put my arms up in the air and i turned my head back and let go of the steering you know let go of the steering wheel looked back looked at him and looked him right in the eye and said and you know colorful language here everybody just to be warned i said fuck that shit we're gonna die because <laughs> he thought we was going 100 mile an hour down the highway you, you know, it was hanging us around you and we weren't even moving. And then he freaked out and grabbed a wheel. And then uh, then it all went away magically. And then everything calmed down. There was stuff everywhere, power lines, everywhere. And then, uh, you know, for some strange reason, that dude never talked to me again. I think I have a few reasons why. <laughs> yeah, he was like, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of, I was kind of stressed out, you know. And I was just, I was just, but he, when he went to the bunk, it wasn't more than 20 minutes. It was beautiful out. I mean, you could, it was just the most beautiful day. And within 20 minutes, the world just went crazy. I'm sure he had to change his boxers after that. Oh, man. I was like, <laughs> it, and the only thing it did to us is it, it's uh, for the taillights and the marker lights. Marker lights, for, they're the lights on the side of the trailers. And then, of course, the taillights. It took the wires and it pulled the wires out of the lights. What? The wind. Yeah, it's the only thing that was wrong with the truck. I lost all the lights on the back of the trailer. The rest of the truck was fine. And then when we were over uh, at the, it was Big Springs, exit 312 over in Nebraska, we were in the shop and I was the only one in there. And I said, uh, hey, you know, can you, uh, you know, we were just inside a tornado. So I looked underneath, but can you guys like kind of look through and make sure I didn't miss anything? Because, I mean, you never know. You know, I didn't, right. I didn't, I don't want to assume because that was weird, such a weird event. But it knocked over 32 trucks were the only ones that didn't get knocked over. That's amazing. Yeah, I think it might have been, you know, I'm just guessing because, I mean, who knows? But I had to set it doubles. And so I think maybe they might have been like kind of like working against each other, you know, like they were they were rocking like opposite of each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then maybe they were cute. I don't know if that's true. It sounds good in my head, though. Yeah. You know. What's that? 53s? Uh, was that? 53 doubles? No, uh, tw- uh, 28s. I think they're 28, 28 and a half. Yeah, 28s. That's but the... If it was a 53, we probably would have went over. Because uh, when I say 53, 53 foot trailer, we probably would have went over because it would have acted like a big wall. And then the wind with the doubles, there's like, you know, what is the space between a set of doubles? Like four feet, three feet, something yeah. like that. The wind, the wind probably cut through there. Yeah, yeah, like you said, with a 53 foot, um, and it would have caught the wind. Boom! Right over. And then, you know, and then, and then the story would be like, kind of like, oh, wow, this is kind of weird and funny to, oh shit, we just wrecked the truck. <laughs> you know, I've been very lucky because if the trailer goes over, the truck's going with it. Oh, of course. 
you know, it'll just drag it right over. I've been very lucky though. I've never wrecked a truck. I've been very lucky. I did have a, when I was a manager for Estes, I was the regional manager. One of my drivers, he just turned into the loves to get fuel and his doubles, his rear trailer flipped off the, the dolly. Oh, would he have a high hook or something? I don't remember. I just remember him calling me and saying, Hey man, I just wrecked the truck. And I'm like, you just left. We go to the, I go a mile away and the back, the rear trailer is tilted over on its side. How far did he go before he had, had he been driving that way with the, with the set for quite a while? No, maybe he just left the terminal. So maybe oh. he turned into the fuel station. Now, when, when I, when, uh, just be so anybody's listening that doesn't know, a high hook is when you hook up to it, when you back underneath the trailer and the, the trailer's not sitting properly on the dolly. And so it might be just above it a little bit. Or sometimes people will go over the top of the, of the fifth wheel and then it'll be right in front of it. I did that as a rookie once and, uh, it was kind of embarrassing. I caught it, but so maybe that. I wonder what, I wonder why, you know, maybe the handle didn't engage or was it wintertime? No. Middle, middle, regular Florida weather. Oh, down in Florida. Because I know, in, like, in winter, sometimes the fifth wheel latches will, you know, get stuck a little bit. I've had that happen where it doesn't want to latch all the way properly. Yeah, I get that now. These, uh, I'll just call them used trucks. You got to, like, find a way to pull that pulley a certain way. Pull it with your left hand because if you pull it to the right, it goes more to the right so it won't unhook. Deal with that a lot. The, the older used trucks. Oh, some of them are, oh, the bear, or the worst is when you got to move the, uh, you have to move the fifth wheel because, you know, you're going because of different weights or whatever. Oh, moving, yeah. oh, moving that loaded fifth wheel is a pain in the ass. It is. Uh, I had a guy do that once. I was in the bunk and I'm like, what are you doing, man? I'm going to move the fifth wheel. And I go, <laughs> and I'm like, what do we got? He's a new guy. And I'm like, and I'm like, what, what's going on? What, well, we got a 53 foot trailer. And I'm like, okay. And you get them. Let me see the weights. And okay, we, okay, we got to move it. I said, you got the landing gear down? Well, no. I said, if you don't put the landing gear down, you don't take the weight off the dolly, then you can't. Then it's never going to move. I said, that's why you 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 just literally threw everything on the floor back here, <laughs> yeah, including me. Oh, by the way, I always wear the net, dude. I always wear the net because you never know what's going to happen. You could have the best co-driver in the world as a sleeper guy, and it, but the guy going the other way could take you out. You know what I mean? Know. So I always wear the net and the net will slow things down. I mean, that's, you know, it may stop you from getting killed. You'll still be messed up probably, but at least it'll, you know, it'll always wear the net. I always throw that out there. It's a net. If kids me know, it's a net that goes over across. It's like a seatbelt for when you're sleeping. It's, you know, it's about a foot or two above me. So it's not a big deal, you know, but I've been using it for 25 years, different versions of the net. But anyway, I just can't, um, I've been lucky to never do that. So what I'll do is like when I hook up to a set, especially when I'm hooking up to like building a set, I hate building sets, but if I have to, then, you know, I'll go underneath the trailer and I always look at the pin, make sure the pin's fully locked in place, you know, hit it with a flashlight. Because if you don't go with a flashlight, you can't tell. And if the handle's all the way in, because I've had the handle all the way in and the thing wasn't all the way latched. It won't latch. Yeah, Yeah. I'll pull out, I make sure, you know, I give it a nudge first. Still, for 19 years, I still do the nudge because there, there was a rookie time when I went and pulled out, thinking it was hooked, and bam, you know, the whole front trailer slams. 
I did that once. And then you have to sit there and try to crank the damn landing gear up and then make sure and you're like, hey, does anybody see this? And then it takes forever to get that damn thing up because you're in, you know, because it's so heavy and you're trying to get it before anybody sees it. I did it at the warehouse. So luckily I was able to go get the forklift and take some of that weight off. Uh, so you got lucky. I sat there and I was like, uh, and I didn't want to ask nobody for help because I didn't want anybody to see it. Hoping you can get it up at least enough where you can you can back your trailer, your truck back up to it and lift it up. Somebody oh, yeah. It. Drop the airbags, get underneath it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like nobody saw that. It's it, if nobody it's only an accident if somebody sees it. Yeah, because <laughs> there's a lot of times, you know, you're going to have little scrapes, little bumps. You, you know, you're I'll give you an example. I got my million mile award. Uh, well, it was a while ago, but I got a million mile, you know, million miles, you know, driving. And I was with this one company. So I'd been really actually closer to two million. Anyway, so they gave me the ward, you know, the nice plaque and all that shit. And you know, I'm sure I scraped a few things along the way that nobody knew about. But as I was, I was going upstairs to the to the uh, to the house. You know, I got my hands full. And what's the one thing I drop? The, the award. The award. And then so it's got a big huge dent in it. Just like the trucks, and nobody knows. Yeah, so the wife, she says, uh, so you drove a million miles with no accidents, but you couldn't carry this plaque upstairs without breaking it? <laughs> Perfect timing, right? Yeah, and I was like, I was like, oh, and then, you know, and as a dispatcher, former dispatcher, of course, she knew exactly. Oh, she's flipping me off right now. She heard me say that. <laughs> as a former dispatcher, she knew exactly, you know, you know, she knows the language, so I can't get away with anything. Right, right. So, you know, so you went from, okay, so let's let's move on. So you went from, so you were driving for a while, then you went to basically dispatching, dealing with that, and then that was with Estes. And then what happened after that? Okay, so, well, with the Estes, I wasn't dispatching. I was pretty much uh, managing the whole operation. So that was pretty fun, doing all the payroll. The whole operation, pretty much, I handled. After that, I... uh Started doing the stupid things, start going to the clubs a lot, partying, drinking, the whole nine, and ended up making this dumb decision, and I went to prison. From there. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, out while working for Estes, I, uh, I was, the whole time I was being a regional manager, I was going through court hearings. So, I don't know how, managing uh, a fleet of trucks and drivers and also handling this personal issues I have in my life and I still did a good job and then I ended up going to prison for two and a half years and while I was in there you you hear everything in the world oh you can't be a truck driver anymore you can't do this and I'm like well if I can't be a driver that's all I know I need to find something in the freight industry because I love freight that's all I know so I started studying some self-help books first of all to figure out what my problems were because I mean when you sit in a cell by yourself you start to realize what your weaknesses are what your flaws are that's a that's a good time to catch up and see really what the truth is, you know, without the money, without the the fun and the drinks. And so I just start looking into my life and I ended up uh wanting to be a, a start a trucking company. So I started studying trucks in there and I realized, you know what, I want to be a freight broker. I have more control over the freight. So I just started doing freight brokering and oh I'm sorry, start studying for freight brokering. End up going to work release, and all I did was study every single day. I literally every day I studied, 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 read books, and I came up with the name Maritime Freight. 
And so when I got out, as soon as I got out, I incorporated it. I got out in October. I incorporated in January. And now I'm an actual freight broker. So it was, it was a, it was a nice journey and a lot of anticipation, you know, two years of saying, you know what, I want to do this. I want to do this and just planning out everything. Got folders and folders of, uh, ideas and strategies, which worked to my benefit. So that's how I led to being a freight broker now. You know, I think you know, a lot of times I, 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 you know, I, I don't deal with the freight brokers cause I, you know, I do, you know, I work for a big carrier, but, I would think, though, as a driver, you know, because you, you all, you, even though you're not driving now, you're still a driver. That the driving experience that you had, plus all the unique opportunity in the military, the structure of the military, that kind of all, you know, fed into it and like kind of helped lead you into doing the freight brokering. You know, you have an idea of what the guys are going through. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can empathize. I mean, I could be booking a load while I'm in the truck. So when the guy come, calls me and, you know, carrier says, hey, man, I've been sitting here for three hours. Detention. Oh, I know because I'm here and then, you know, I'm in the truck sitting for four hours. So I know you're paying. Yeah. And if, you know, like if some guy says, well, I can't go from here to there in that amount of time. It's like, BS, I know you can. You know, <laughs> yeah. I know you can't. Or I know what, you know, I know what the fuel prices are from here to there because I know, you know, what, and I know how much fuel your truck needs. And, and I know the permits because I know the rule, the laws on that. You know, I would think that, you know, being a driver and then doing the freight brokering would go hand in hand because, you know, you know, exactly, you know, somebody brings something up to you, you know what they're talking about. Right. But you're also an advocate for the drivers too. When the shipper says, Hey, I need this for me. I need this on Monday and I need to go here by Tuesday. Like, Hold on. That, that won't work. Well, they do the math. Oh, I did the math. It'll work. You have, you have an accountant for stops for fuel for rest time, you know, just, what what looks good on paper is not the same in real life, and I know that as a driver. Oh yeah, because you got to take the thirty minute break, and which, which which I detest. I hate the thirty minute break. Well, they changed yeah. it now. You can well, take it while being unloaded or loaded. As of as of in a few hours, it changes. That goes into effect at midnight tonight. Oh, it is tonight. Nice. Yeah, I think it's tonight. It's either tonight or tomorrow. Um, I don't know. Uh, all the carriers, you know, they're going to, they're going to change their computers and their little, their little electronic logging things and how all that works. It's going to be interesting to see how that works. For us, I haven't heard anything about how things are going to go. I've never liked a 30 minute break. I want to take a break when I have to take it, when I want to take a break, not when I'm forced into it, you know, whether I, you know, if I got to eat or use a restroom or something, then I want to do it. But I don't, you know, a lot of times you're in the middle of nowhere and you're in a snowstorm, man, if I pull over, I'm not going to get rolling again. Exactly. You know, in a local or regional driver, as long as you clock in somewhere, you don't have that ELD. So it was nice. Yeah. So I have to still deal with it now. So, so now you're doing the brokering, right? You've done that for how long now? Um, only since January is when I started the company and I started, uh, I got my authority in June. Okay. So you've been doing not, not too long, but long enough. Right. So where are you, where are you getting the drivers from? I. Well, it's funny because when I, when I told you how I wanted to start the trucking company, I had a competition analysis for all the other trucking companies. So what I did is I reached back out to the same people who were going to be my competitors as a carrier. So now I use them as a, uh, as support for my, for my company. Nice. 
Well, yeah. if, if they're, they're your competitors, so they know what you can and cannot do because they've been fighting you and, you know, work, working, you know what I mean? You were yeah, the competition, no, no. and now it's like, wait a minute, now my competition is now my buddy. Exactly, and I support, you know, and I've read everything about them. I look into everything they do. So it kind of turned out better for me to become the broker before the carrier. So I've been doing that for a couple months, Move, moved a good amount of loads, around probably less than 30 loads right now which is pretty good for a new brokerage. Oh, that's not, I wouldn't, were you, were you scared on the first one? Were you like, Oh shit, here we go. I can do this. Oh no, I've been through too much to be scared. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause you got, you got literally everything on. I mean, you know, there's a whole new adventure. It's a whole new chapter in your life. You know, you know what? I harnessed that, that feeling I had when I was in, in prison and being out of control, you know, of course officers, they tell you what to do, eat, sleep, when to wake up, it, whenever to turn the lights on. So I always go back to that thought. So whenever I'm afraid of something, I say, you know what? I've been through the worst. That that has to be the worst for me. That is my lowest. So everything else is okay from there. Well, you know, I would imagine the military also, though, helped out because, you know, the military taught you how to deal with that free time. You're right. You know, and I always, I told people that in there. I was like, you know what? This military and prison is, Pretty similar, you know. I mean, overseas you can't go anywhere. It's not like you just go home. You're sleeping in tents. You deal with drill uh, officers or your sergeants, who's you know they're in a bad mood. So it's the same thing with officers. Yeah, if you don't uh, like, as me as a radio operator, it was you know if there was nothing going wrong, we just had to sit there and wait for something to go wrong to fix the radio because you know, we were the combo system, basically the phone system is what we did, and it was like you had so much downtime, you had to figure out how to deal with it. You know, you either like me, I read a lot of books. One time I was like, you know, and then you get brain fatigue from reading so much. So I, 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 Oh, I brought some coloring books with me and a bunch of crayons just, you know, just to, just to, just something stupid, just to, to break up the monotony. Then and, yeah. and, uh, some Lieutenant coming there, he got all mad. I can't believe you'd do this. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do, man? I, I can't read this other stuff anymore. I'm getting kind of, start to drone on me you know <laughs> but i would imagine if you're if you just go into prison and you're used to being active and you're doing whatever then it'll drive you crazy but because you know you did the military and you know that you know 99 percent boredom one percent oh shit you yeah. get you get ready for the oh shit and when you get out you, when you're in it's the 99 percent boredom little here and there then when you get out it's the oh shit what am i gonna do how am i gonna how am i gonna break these uh uh, stereotypes that people are going to have on me because I went in. Did you have that? Did people, you know, did you have to break some of that? You know, like people who were like, you know what I mean? No, I didn't. And the reason I didn't have to break it is because I created it. I kind of flipped the switch. So instead of me trying to hide what I've, you know, what happened to me and what I've been through, first of all, this is what I've been through and I don't care what you think about me because I know that's not me. Second of all, I created a company so I don't have to worry about checking that box, that felony box. You know, I, I create my own life. So that's how I beat the system. And then the boredom in prison, I wasn't bored. I was too busy trying to be somebody different than who I was before. So I, I was really running out of time. That's, I, I say that a lot, but I was running out of time because I have so, many so much planned out and I have this to do, this to do, this to do. So I was like, you know, when it was time, when I had like a month left, I was like, oh man, 
I, I gotta hurry up now. And I still ran out of time. So you change your mindset. So yeah, I like I like the fact that, you know, like a lot of guys get stuck in places like that and they go drives them crazy because they got no plan. But here you are, you're like, oh man, I'm running out of time. I gotta hurry up and finish this. Because you know, I'm under the impression when you got out, you were like, I am gonna hit the ground running and I gotta be prepared. So if if I had a little more time, you know, you 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 knew you didn't want to, you know, you you had to get into this right away. And I think that's awesome. You know, you, you're determined to have, to set your own, you know, not to live by anybody else's uh, uh, stereotypes or preconceptions or or to let them force their views on what you were thinking. Oh, yeah, I won't let that happen. You know, I, I, I would say. There's, there's nothing to be, you know, like I said earlier, like the own it and divorce it. It happened. Oh, well, I'm over it. If you want to sit there and hold it against me, then you can, but I'm not there for you to hold it against me. 